Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> that All was right. a quick that was a quick turnaround. That was a short week. <laughs> <laughs> and last week's episode was. So uh anyway, we're we're still on with Graham from recordingrevolution.com. Good I'm to be saying here. that right. Yes. Okay. I don't yep. want to be given. And you're on Twitter. Yep. Right? On Twitter. Yep. Recording Rev R E V. He's the Rev. Mm-hmm. Reverend nice. of recording. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Exactly. That's what my wife said. She said, "Ah, the Reverend of recording." It's like, well, <laughs> Twitter has only so many characters that your username yeah. can be. So that's who I am. So uh, if you want to, if you want to follow Graham, you can do that. He's always posting good links to uh, to videos. He's got a lot of video tutorials on his website. He's got a lot of great information. One thing we didn't talk about last time I wanted to throw in uh, real quick was you have this, what did you call it, Mix Fix? Yes. Uh, mix Fix is something I started and uh, have done uh, a little bit into, but what it is is simply um, if you have a song that you've recorded, maybe even you've mixed it, but you, you'd be curious to hear what someone else might do to mix it. Um, you know, and Maybe you're not a professional and you want if you consider me a professional, then you can send it to me. I'd be more than happy to mix it for you. I take your raw tracks, um, and I do a, one mix for free and just sort of give it to you. So it's sort of like um, showing you potential. Like maybe your recordings are good. You just need to work on mixing or you know, hire someone to mix it or something just so you don't feel like, hey, I need to go out and spend thousands more dollars on new gear because my recordings don't sound good. Maybe it's the mix that's not working. So that's what Mix mm-hmm. Fix is. Um, and I've gotten some submissions there. I've been kind of busy. I haven't been able to get to a lot of those. Um, but yeah, it's free. That's yeah, that's really cool. Ah, that is cool. It's got to be a fair amount of time commitment on your part to do that. So that's, that's really cool that you do that. But, um, last time, last time we were talking about taking your song, you know, we just finished up a series on God songs and writing songs and worship songs, or even, you know, just for for worship leaders who are working on new music, how to take your song from the demo or from the rough songwriting phase into a, like a complete demo version. But this time we wanted to talk you know, about taking your song from demo all the way to finished product. So, so we've put the pressure on Graham to, <laughs> to get in 20, 25 minutes, the whole process. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to be amazed. Here, here it comes. Um, the the key is like when I work with with groups or or even with our own band here at our church, uh, the key is is a little bit of preparation goes a long way. Um, so know know what you want to record and what you're going for if you're when you're doing your your full album or your EP or whatever it is. So you know, sit down with your band and pick out the songs. Have that figured out. Know what songs are going on this 
you know, compilation or recording, or even if it's just one song, uh, know what you're going to do, know how to play this song, get all that out of the way. The more you know the material, the faster the process will go. That's um, really funny, though, because uh, I, I just got the Fee, the new Fee album. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I was watching the Hope video. Rising, yeah. Or? Yeah. I was watching the video of how they made it, and they're talking in this video about how they didn't think they had quite enough songs, and so they had to come up with like two or three songs in the studio. In the studio. Uh, like, oh wow! Nothing worse than that. Yeah, I guess it's different when it's on someone else's dime. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you have a label, and and the label is uh, totally willing to finance, yeah, that's whatever different. it takes. Yeah, right. Well, so, and that's the thing is usually we have less time, less money, and. Uh, and so we're, we're usually working in less than ideal circumstances compared to a group like Fee, right? But the pressure is to sound this as good. Sound as good, right. Which, And that's the thing we have to remember is we're always comparing our stuff to professional recordings that right. have a lot more going for them. Like I said, they have all the time in the world. Big um, budget. And all the money in the world in the sense that they can use top-of-the-line stuff. Now, I... If you read my site for any length of time, you guys know I, I don't think gear is the is the final answer in the equation. Um, but we do have to make up for um, the lack of time, and you know we're not paid full time to make an album. Most of us, right. um, so you can save a lot of time, like like I was saying about preparing. Just at least know what you're going to play, and everyone in the band know their parts. Um, on the whole, things can change in the studio, and I'm always for trying new things with a band, even if they kind of know their their thing, but know what you're going to play. And then, um, you just got to schedule it. You have to, especially when you have multiple people, if it's just you and you're recording yourself, then, um, you just need to find time that you obviously can get, get to it. But when you have a whole band, um, people have different schedules, life, ministry, work, whatever it is, it takes time. You need to sort of just make it a plan schedule. Hey, this Saturday for four hours, we're going to do drums or whatever. And so you schedule it out and treat it with respect, you know, respect your time, block it out. Um, and it gets the band excited. I mean, every band I work with, uh, when you when they organize, hey, this is when our sessions are going to be. Maybe this is when Graham's coming into town or maybe they're coming to Tampa or something. The group is treating it seriously, you know, because they've blocked out some time. Um, so these sound not very exciting. These are like the foundational elements to getting a good recording. Um, yeah, but very important, <laughs> yeah. nonetheless. Well, we brought it up. You know, Kevin's done a fair amount. of. I've done some recording. Kevin's done some more cooler recording than I have. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I, I wouldn't say cooler. <laughs> I just, I've just done more studio stuff. But, um, but that, you know, one of the last time we talked about it was you. we talked about how much time you guys practiced yeah. before you did mm-hmm. that live that album. That live album, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, cool, I, cool. I, used to, I used to be in a band, and we, we toured a lot. And uh, we put out three albums, and one of those albums was a live one. And, you know, the idea of making a live album sounds really appealing. Like, oh, cool, we just hit the record button, right. and, and we d- you know, whatever comes out is it. That's just really not the way it works, though. <laughs> like, first of all, the months and months of preparation beforehand to practice so that we actually sounded really good live. And, you know, and then the months afterwards, like, editing and fixing and mixing and mm-hmm. you know doing all those little things uh, after the live recording it, it was a pretty grueling process yeah i believe it but but if you hadn't prepared yes there, there would be no there would be no hope no product no product no and that live album i mean i i you know i listened to it the other day and it's like 10 years old and i'm like 
boy, this this is still pretty good, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I think it still holds. It still holds up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thanks. We still do a, an arrangement or two off of it. Sweet. So, so um, so anyway, we interrupted Graham. Sorry, Sorry. Graham. Oh, no, it's <laughs> your show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we've got, you know, put in the preparation, treat the time, if, especially if you're working with other people, treat their time with respect. Don't, you know, don't just ask somebody to come record drums and then, you know, they've been there for an hour and a half and you're still not quite ready to go. Be ready to go when right. they get there, that kind of stuff. You know, just yeah. just common courtesy, common respect, and which unfortunately is a lacking thing among a lot of artists and musicians. Uh, and, sure. But, but um, we give respect. And then, so then, so we've uh, worked on that. Where do we go from there? The first thing you do, um, is you, you spend all your energy getting a guide track ready. Uh, I talk about this a lot, but a guide track is, is basically a glorified click track, and it will include a click track, you know, a metronome of some kind, um, with set tempo. Um, and if your song has, like, tempo changes or meter changes, um, most, uh, most professional recording softwares, uh, things like Pro Tools and Logic and Cubase, these things, you can map out, you know, um, your tempo changes and meter changes. And so you're telling the click to to basically follow along what you guys are going to be playing to in your head. Oh, okay, the choruses are faster or the chorus is halftime or whatever. So you take the time to manually put all that information in there. Um, and, you, and then you want to have a, a rough guide of something to listen to for the band members if you're going to be multi-tracking like the drummer, let's say, coming in. He's got, he's got to have something to listen to to play along with, and a lot of times it's something that's pre-recorded. I find that very helpful because then it's consistent. So, for example, um, I'll have the guitar player or the songwriter, whoever is the, the person that could play maybe you know guitar or piano all the way through and with some vocals, lay down the song to that click, to that meter change. So, in a sense, it's like a demo. And in fact, if you have a demo and it's the right tempo, you can just import that MP3 into mm. your session and uh, sort of fiddle with it a bit, make sure it fits the, the tempo and the, the meter changes. But you got to have something to listen to so people know, okay, here comes the chorus or here comes the, the bridge. And that takes a little bit of time. And preferably you've done that before the first day of actual recording. But work with whoever's in that band or if it's yourself to map that out so everything is set and in place, and you can even have markers that label things like chorus, verse, bridge, um, you know, get loud here, you know, this is the quiet part, whatever it takes, and then that will always be saved in your session before you've ever really laid down an official track. It sounds like that saves a, a ton of time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, Kevin, you were saying with the live album, I mean, it's another form of preparation, Um but a lot of times, you know, you can do this even in a live setting. You have, you know, real bands will go into a studio and they may have the click set up and uh, they may just plug in the whole band and let them just play, you know, and play mm-hmm. a version of the song with everyone being recorded, knowing that you're going to replace all those tracks later. You could do that too, you know. Um, but you need something that will always be in the session that you can reference and be playing along with before you record uh, a lick of anything. Right, some some sort of a constant, if you will. Yeah, yeah, then that's what it is. It's the constant. So, like, if the drummer 
he's recording to that. And then the bass player is recording to that exact same thing. And this, the vocalist is recording to that exact same thing, let's say. And it's the thing that, since you can't all be playing at once in most settings, is keeping you unified. You're all playing to the same feel, the same tempo. And when you remove that at the end, obviously, you've got this real tight, unified sound as if you were all able to play at the same time, which usually it takes more physical recording space and more inputs. So it's a little more expensive for most people to do it that way. So guide track is really important. Um, so let's say I'm going to, I'm going to do most of the recording myself. So I'm going to mm-hmm. do, I'm going to do the piano. I'm going to do the acoustic. Maybe I'm going to do the bass. Um, should I get all that done before I invite the other people to come and play electric and drums? You know, there's really no right or wrong. Um, I would say if part of your piano or acoustic is the can be a guide track, definitely you want to lay that down. But what I like to do personally is is get drums down as, as soon as possible. I love to do that first. I love um, to let every other piece of the band, even if it's you coming back and re-recording the piano and the acoustic, to be recording to the way the drummer lay down the feel because that's where it all is you know drums are where we get our feel when you're playing live um you're all listening to the drummer um and a good band really grooves with the drummer so when if you I, have a drummer if you have a drummer <laughs> right yeah <laughs> exactly right now we've so only what, got one drummer <laughs> so. <laughs> so whatever you use oh well, yeah if you don't have a drummer if you're playing to you know loops or electronic drums or if it if if there is no uh percussion of any kind then you can start with the, the next rhythm instrument, you know, acoustic guitar, piano, whatever you like. Um, again, there's no right or wrong, but this is, I find, the easiest way to quickly get the band to sound together. Start with drums, and from there, lay down everything else the way the way you see fit. So um, if you don't have a drummer, mm-hmm. and you don't want to use loops necessarily, what do you do? You still want to have percussion or drums sounds in your your session is that what you're saying or or no drums no i want to have drums but i want it okay. to sound like you know like something original or something that somebody's come up come up with specifically for this song not mm-hmm. just like a canned loop Ooh. that i found in a library so sure so what do you do if you want that you you do a little more work <laughs> i mean um you know there's some fantastic drum plugins which are step above just loops you know um mm-hmm. things like superior drummer uh, easy drummer um strike if you have pro tools and these things will take you know prefab uh drum beats but really they're actually multi-track people on a drum set and you can usually adjust the feel the time and you can make them be a little lazier on the beat so it doesn't sound perfect and, and that's an amazing technology right there um those are fantastic uh but you, you can get great results with uh, a basic sampler um they usually have one comes free with most programs where you'd have to lay down the kick and the snare using either just a pencil type tool in your software or, or a keyboard controller. And it's sort of grinding, but you'd have to lay down every hit, um, overlap it with some hi-hat. If you're not good like myself, I have to do it one at a time um, <laughs> and add fills and things like that. And then you can even adjust the velocity and the hit so it doesn't sound the same volume all the way through. It takes more time. Um, so... Some people choose to dive into that, and you can make it sound like real, authentic, raw drums um, that are perfect for your song, but that takes time, or other people get sort of 
uh, turned off by how much work that is and they find that you know what maybe I don't really need anything that complex maybe I just need a little shaker or I need to just, you know mic up myself hitting uh, a bucket you know and I can <laughs> you know, I, yeah seriously or you can sample your own little sort of fake percussion lids. and make it real you know indie sounding and just go for a different sound all entirely or uh i mean hire a studio drummer you know that's that, that's, that's, yeah, that's the other we thing had, yeah we uh, in fact there's a, a guy times. um i used to work with in virginia um he his name is travis whitmore he, he's a professional drummer toured with um a lot of actual worship bands uh guys like matt redman and, and things like that and he um now that's all he does is he has a studio and he records custom drums for people. I think Silver Lake Studios, I think is is his site. But um so yeah, he was be someone you'd hire and say, Hey, here's my song, can you play drums to it? And you'd get a custom performance and it would be multi tracked and it would sound great and then you'd kinda mix it later. That's so bizarre because I just was on his site this morning. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was looking at he had an he just had an article or found an article through his site about click track and like levels of where you might be to put up on our, our worship blog for our church to give our people a, a way to assess their, oh, cool, their progress. Yeah. So well, Travis but, um, is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've got drums and then we're going to record everything else to that. What's after that? After that, I always look at it as the recording phase, editing phase, and mixing phase. Um, editing is usually once you've got everything recorded, if you're playing th- the song well, you know you can just press play, listen back, and everyone in the band's just saying, yeah, this sounds great. I love what we've got going on here. Um, but the editing phase is really where I'll, I'll let um, you know the song really get tighter. I'll comp vocals. Let's say you recorded you know three takes of the lead vocal. Um, and then you can keep the best parts of each take and composite them, you know, compile them into a super take, as I call it, um, <laughs> with the best of each section. That would be in the editing phase or even tightening up the drum performance. If, if one fill was a little loose, you could tighten that up here or there. Maybe the bass, you could lock the bass guitar in a little bit better on some of the kick drum parts. But it's that kind of cleanup. It's technical. You're not really listening to um, frequencies or mixing with plugins or effects you're you're really just making sure you know with the power of digital recording cleaning it up and then listening back and saying is that like the way it's supposed to sound in terms of just raw performance and and everything being where it's supposed to be so i i treat things in an editing phase and i won't move on to mixing i won't use any plugins or anything until the song is clean and you've gotten rid of all that kind of extra breaths or maybe I coughed in between a take you kind of clean it up where you want it to be and that's a subjective <laughs> nice. thing too how how much editing do you want to do and that's really up to you and, and what you're going for but um, the this whole process is made a lot easier if if you do the first part right if you if you yes prepare and you get you know you get good recordings of of everything there's a whole lot there in that first process that there's no way we can actually cover. Like, right. Like right. micing technique and micing. The right kind of mics. and Yeah, guitar right. cabinets and, you know, the whole hoopla that there is out there. Yeah. That, and that's that, and I would say, yeah, David, that, that that's a good point. That is the most important part of this whole process. It doesn't matter what you're going to do in editing or mixing or mastering if you don't record it well. And so that's what I try to focus on on my site um, a lot of times and what, is really worth investing your time in is get it right the first time and learn how to do that. 
So, so you're going to edit, you're going to clean up all the stuff and, and how much you clean up is subjective, how much you want to do. Then we get into mixing. Yes. And this is like, this is like the, the, what are they? I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, you know, with every church, with every sound guy, mixing is where everything seems to fall apart or come mm. together. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a it good point. It makes or breaks you. Yeah. You know, yeah. at least, you know. How many times have you have you been a part of a church or worship band or something like that, and and the sound guy doesn't know anything about music, and you come out and you find out that well your part wasn't even heard, right? So why did I even bother playing? <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I mean, mixing mixing is an art, and it's something that that can be learned, um, and it's something that we're always getting better at. I'm I'm always trying to improve. I'm I'm not where I want to be with mixing, but mixing is. Um, the hardest to get right out of all these phases. I think you can learn how to record well and mic things properly and, and get good sounds. I think you can learn how to edit well. Um, but when it comes to mixing, gosh, you're right. We either screw it up or um, or we, 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 we land gold. And that's that's where if you're talking about live mixing, it's really worth sitting down with your audio people at your church um, or even at a venue and and taking time to learn frequencies. You know, EQ and compression are, um, I think, the two most important elements of mixing and the mm. most misunderstood. Um, but they're very simple tools once you learn how to use them. And then it just takes a lot of listening to go, okay, I understand what I would want to do to improve the sound um, and then how I can do that. So uh, mixing really is can be as simple as, hey, everything was recorded perfectly, there's nothing you need to do, <laughs> you know? If everything was recorded right and the mic placement was right, you're going to have a great balance of everything. In theory, you, you could technically <laughs> not touch it at all. Now, I've never seen that happen. Um, yeah. You know, part of it also is because there's things that you can do that are fun, you know, to make things more interesting. But um, you want to learn tools like EQ and compression because they do more than just make something sound different or louder you know they they're very helpful but that you shouldn't be scared of them you just need to start practicing them and if you're new to mixing just admit to yourself that it may take some time it may take a few albums or, or uh, a few songs to really get something you're pleased with and maybe it's worth hiring someone else to mix or giving yourself a lot of time to mix do revisions listen to a song that you think is mixed well compare and uh, keep trying rinse and repeat <laughs> so uh how much how much credence do you give to other people's input in the mixing process other so, people uh, like like the band or other friends you want to listen to it yeah just anybody you know i you read a lot that it, you know when you're mixing you should play your recording for as many people as you can and and then get their get their feedback oh, but yeah, at the same you. time when you're playing it for other people there's a you know depending on who you're playing for there's a certain amount of you know uh, either a lack of listening technique or like maybe an over analytical sure listener and so it's like well i can't really hear that the the ghost notes on the snare <laughs> as much as i want to so right. if, if you can work on bringing that out you know or but then the other person's like well it sounds great but it, it really doesn't <laughs> right so that's no, a great question i i like personally to have two types of people and this could just be two people even, uh, but two types of people to listen to it. I want to have musicians that have a good ear 
that I know listen to and appreciate good music and can tell a good recording when they hear one. They, they don't have to be a, an engineer. They could just be a, someone in a band or in my band and just say, hey, you know, how does this sound to you? And I'm, I'm listening for, does it, does it sound right to you? Do, do you feel like everything's working? And they could tell you, yeah, I think uh, the, the kick drum is kind of hard to hear um, or it's a little muffled um, or, you know, I really like what you're doing in the chorus. It sounds big. It sounds rocking. And they'll give you just an honest, you know, bit of feedback. And if they're really over analytical, you don't worry about it too much. You know, you sort of take what you can get. But then you also want to get people that don't know anything about music. You want to play it for your your mom or, you know, somebody who would just, who has listened to good recordings all, all their life, but you just play it and they go, well, that sounds like it's in a box, you know? <laughs> they don't know how to describe it, but that th- you might be really realizing, oh, you know, my, the room I mix in might be too bright because I'm, I'm thinking it sounds nice and bright, but really the mix is, is closed off and I need to work on the EQ. And my mom mm-hmm. just told me it sounds like it's in a box. <laughs> and that gives you a little <laughs> clue that, hey, even a non-audio person can tell that it's not quite right. Um, so that might be helpful too. I try to do that. And my, you know, my wife is a good example. She, she is a musician, so she can appreciate a little bit of both, but she'll just give me these real non-technical explanations like, yeah, it just sounds real flat or sounds real boring or, you know, it's just too annoying that it's like loud and, you know, (laughs) too annoying. Okay. So maybe there's some frequencies that are just, you know, Uh, abrasive to the ear. So I'll turn down the annoying knob. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Back off the suck knob a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'll turn that down. <laughs> but uh, so, so we're we're kind of in the mixing phase right now. What's your what's your philosophy on on like plugins and and how do you know which plugins to use with what and and how do you determine what you're going to throw on each on each channel strip to get the sound that you're looking for? That's a great question. I'm I mean I am not the expert, and there are totally different views on this. Uh, but personally, I I think that um, I like to keep it simple. I, I feel like EQ is going to be your biggest and most used uh, plugin. It's going to really help you sculpt sounds, even things that you don't even hear. Just getting rid of frequencies that you don't need to hear in, let's say, a guitar or a vocal, um, so that all of a sudden the other instruments you can hear them now. They're, they have some space, you know. So that's that's a not exciting effect because if you're using it in that capacity, you're just sort of carving holes and making things fit, and you don't actually hear the EQ working. But what you hear is your song coming together. So I say use whatever EQ comes with your software. Don't feel like you have to buy something else. I use the Digidesign EQ that comes with Pro Tools for free. Uh, same thing with compression. I'll use compression a lot to sometimes even out things like vocals so that. Uh, you know, my, my quiet parts can be just as audible as my, my loud rocking vocal, let's say, or to fatten up a, a thing like a, a bass guitar or a snare drum. There's some tricks there with, with compression. But I try to not just start adding plugins. I really try to to start with, you know, the overall faders, the balance, the volume and panning, things like that. Um, and then EQ as I need to to make things fit. So just so you can hear everything the way it's supposed to sound in your head, you know. If you know that the bass was sounding great the day you recorded it, but you just can't seem to hear it or feel it in the mix, um, then you just try to make that happen with things like EQ uh, and compression. And then, honestly, I just use a little bit of reverb and delay as needed. And then um, those are my, my core, my go-to effects. But I always always use the ones that came with, <laughs> with Pro Tools. I bought extra ones years ago, spent money on them, and uh, found that they just sound different. 
Um, and for mm. most purposes, it's not better or worse that we're talking about. It's just difference. And then also, if you have too many plugins to choose from, then you spend too much time debating <laughs> which plugin to use and, and not one? enough time learning the whatever the one or two plugins you actually have. And I find that's more beneficial to keep it simple and just learn what you got. Simplicity is the key is, yeah. is kind of what it sounds keep like. Keep it simple. Yep. Um, so kind of a one specific question is I've, I've heard a lot of recordings lately that have this kind of, I don't know if it started with Coldplay or what, but there's this kind of like ghosty piano sound uh-huh. that I've been trying to figure out. And it's, it's not, I don't know how to describe it, but I've heard it on a few recordings like in the last couple of weeks. And so it's like, it's kind of becoming a trend apparently mm-hmm. for the sound. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but um, I think so. I mean, so go ahead. Is that just like, is that like reverb or is that delay or is that a combination of a bunch of those things? If it's what I'm thinking of, it's, it's both. It would be, um, one trick you can do is run your piano or whatever into a delay first, um, and have the delay like full volume. Um, so, you know, you hit a piano hit and it, the echo or the delay is just as loud. So it sounds kind of awkward. Um, but then you don't run the, the delay to your main speakers, you know, otherwise you just hear that really awkward delay. Instead, you run the delay into a reverb. Um, and then the reverb is what you then mix back in with your, your, uh, your track. So what you're hearing is this, this kind of delay It's going to go over and over again, but it's going to sound really washed out and in the background. So it creates a really wet delay. That's not too perfect, but it's, um, you still get the nice attack of the piano so you can hear all the notes clearly but then if you mix this new delay into the reverb effect in the background you'll have this sort of dreamy washy kind of effect to play with hmm. that, that might be one thing nice. they're doing I'm not quite sure so uh sorry a little specific sidetrack we didn't necessarily need to go down but i was curious so yeah. <laughs> i asked it um what what might be some some resources for people like myself who don't have a lot of money to spend on plugins or on on virtual instruments? You know, I'm looking for a really good sounding virtual piano that I don't have to spend, you know, five hundred dollars on. Where sure. can I where can I go to find some pianos that I might be able to might be happy with or or you know, some other some other virtual instruments or some other plugins that I might be able to use with Pro Tools or something like that? Um Let's see if you have. I don't know, do you have Pro Tools version eight? Yes, I do. Okay, what do you have? You used uh, Mini Grand. I have. It's uh, part of the problem is my uh, my MIDI controller doesn't have weighted keys. Ah. And so when I'm playing it, it you know, I never the sound that I'm feel, getting back yeah. doesn't sound like I feel like it should sound. So sure. I'm hoping to get a, a weighted keyboard here in the near future, and maybe that'll that'll fix up a lot of that. But but you know. I've got an upright grand piano, but I don't, I, and I want to do some of the songs with that, but I don't want to do that on all the songs. I, I want like a mm-hmm. real piano that I, that I'm playing for a lot of the songs that, yeah. but, but the ones that I played so far, I just haven't quite been happy with. So I don't know if there's anything else. Sure. Out there. Oh, I mean, you know, two things. One, there are some really, really nice, you know, virtual piano plugins out there that like you said, cost a lot of money. I mean, you wouldn't want to spend any any money on something unless you had demoed it and just loved the heck out of it. So see if you can get a free demo of something. And if it's worth it, if it sounds exactly what you're going for, it might be worth saving up for. Um, but it sounds like also 
getting the right uh, keyboard controller will go a long way. Um, and I'm not a piano player originally, so I don't have the nuance that you would have as a, as a key player. But I know that there's some great uh, keyboard controllers out there. The guys that I work with that play keys, they, they won't play with anything like, a, you know, I've just got like a the basic oxygen, uh, one of M-Audio's keyboard controllers, and nothing's weighted, you know. It's just, it's really just to punch in notes. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like you're playing a piano. So that affects the way you play. And if you have a great instrument, I, I think MIDI, MIDI grand will go a long way if if it can track all your velocity that you're doing weighted keys, it might give you a better performance too. So well, yeah, I kept, I was playing this thing and I kept hitting this, the D sharp and I'm like, and I'm not hitting it that hard, but it just came through like, boom, like a <laughs> gong every time I, I hit know. it. I'm like, man, this is not right. I know. And again, it's a computer. So you want to get, you might be able to tweak some of those things later, you know? Right. Um, so you, you sacrifice some of the realism really quickly for some of the flexibility and the power and the ease of use. You don't have to mic a piano. You don't have to have a great room, um, you know? So uh, how about like for guitarist, um, you know, like is there a good amp modeling software out there or something that, that someone can use for cheap or, or uh, oh, yeah. you know, something for acoustic guitarists? You know, I don't, I don't know what they might need much more than just sure. to record, but. Yeah, I mean, if, um, a lot of, gosh, a lot of the DAWs right now, things like Logic and Pro Tools, um, they're all starting to package their own amp modeling plugins, um, and they're all sounding really, really good. Logic um, 8 and now even Logic 9 has a ton of amp models and even uh, guitar pedal models, so you can see a virtual pedal board and, and put in all those classic pedals that you like to use. Um, that sounds really great. I love, uh, if you have Pro Tools, you get 11, the free version, which is their uh, their amp modeling plug, and it only has um, two amp models, but you can do a lot with those. Um, you got sort of a Marshall sound and a Mesa sound, um, but you can tweak them and uh, get a real vintage, clean uh, 1950s sound, or you can do a really high gain, heavy sound. And it they really now have sampled enough that the more you push or the less you push on a, on the actual guitar, the tone changes just like a tube amp. You know, you can have a a distortion setting on a tube amp, but if you play it lightly, it sounds almost like a clean um, channel. So there's some free ones that come with the soft, the, your software of choice. Um, if if you don't have something like that, I know Line Six and um, uh, also, I mean there's there's Amp Farm, there's IK Multimedia makes um, what do they make? Uh, to Amplitude, they make that. That's there's some free ones you can download um, to test them out. They sound great. There's also things too, like um, you know, Line Six has the pods. Uh, even Behringer has their um, their V Tone line of actual physical boxes that you can plug into before you go into Pro Tools or something, and uh, and they sound pretty good too. Um, so you don't get the flexibility of changing the amp model later, but if you don't want to mic up a cabinet, there's some options there. So we've we've kind of covered the whole thing except for what is mastering. <laughs> Do you have a couple hours? No. Um, <laughs> gosh, I I wrote a I wrote an article about this. Does does my album need to be mastered on the Recording Revolution? And so that may be a, a place to start. Um, but I, in less than a minute, I will say this: that mastering used to be, and I think it's helpful to approach it this way, is simply getting your final mixes onto a record. I mean, that's what it was. It it, it was 
getting them onto the master record, um, taking them off out of the studio, off the tape, and onto whatever the media was at the time that people could play in their stereos. Um, and so at, at its core, it's just lining up your, your final mixes, which should be like a stereo audio file, you know, getting them the right order. But really, it's you can use some plugins to do some limiting, you know, which is really just a heavy compressor, which sort of evens out the peaks so you can, in a sense, turn up the overall sound of, of the track so it's at a better listenable volume to compete with things that are on the radio, uh, other recordings out there. So in essence, it's just a little bit of limiting and EQ at its basic um, element. So, but the other thing here is um, it's not a magic pill. Uh, <laughs> it, it won't just all of a sudden make... It, people say what's missing is, you know, your songs aren't mastered, these songs are mastered, that's the missing link for why your songs kind of sounds like a demo. And I would say that that's not true. I, you could turn it up with mastering, it might sound a little fuller, but it's just going to sound like a louder, fuller uh, version of your, your mix. So don't wait to mastering to make it sound good. I, I try with everything that I'm mixing, whether it's my own stuff or somebody else's, is to get the mix to sound like a master. You know, I won't maybe limit it when I'm mixing it. You know, I'll sometimes use limiting to kind of gauge how it's sounding if I bounce it down and listen to it on my car so it's just not too quiet. But I, I will reference a mastered track in my mixing session and try to mix to get it to sound that punchy, that clear. Um, so if it's mixed well, it shouldn't need much for mastering. But the other thing too is some people will say, and I, I can see the value in this, if, if you've done everything yourself up to this point, recorded it and mixed it, it can be helpful to have someone else master it because it's just someone else's ears in a different room, hopefully in a room where you know they, they do this a lot and they're used to to the way that sounds and they can say, you know what? I think this is a little too bass heavy and maybe that guy couldn't tell that in the room he was mixing in. So I'll just fix that and tweak that. And it just gives you a second opinion and makes it sound the best that it can, can sound, but it's not magic and it won't make it great if it's not great to begin with. Good point. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what would be your, what would be your one final word of encouragement advice to our, to our worship leaders and our, our songwriters out there? It's all about the music. It always is about the music. If you're a worship leader, it's about Jesus. And then the music serves a purpose, but it's not about gear. It's not about techniques or tips. Those things exist to serve the music first. Okay. So that's what I always try to tell people is if you are passionate about the music that you're making and you have great ideas in your head, then learn the tools and learn the tips and techniques to only to serve that music. If you get too bogged down in mixing and how things should sound, you're forgetting what makes a great song a great song, and that's passion, that's the right melody, the right lyric, the right feel, and the right musicians playing it. So step back, don't be too worried. If it's not going the way you want, focus on the music. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hey Graham, thanks for thanks for being here with us the last couple of weeks on the podcast. And yeah, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, it's been great to it's have been you. Real good. Um, if you if you didn't catch it earlier in the podcast, you can go check out his site, at recordingrevolution.com. and you can also follow him on Twitter at recordingrev, the at, Reverend of Recording. Yeah. <laughs> hey, real quick, the website is the Recording Revolution. Sorry, that's I've been right. Saying it, I knew I was messing up something. That's right. The recordingrevolution.com. Yeah. And uh, he's got a lot of great stuff on there, and he's got he's got his videos on there. You can go check those out on YouTube as well. So, 
that'll about do it. Yeah. That was great. Graham, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank and, you guys. Uh, just yeah, for offering us your in your vast infinite level of knowledge and wisdom. It's been a real pleasure. And if you're out in uh, Tampa, yeah, go check out his church. Yeah, we're on, we're University on the campus is, of USF, University of yeah, South University Florida. Yeah, University of South Florida. You said Aletheia? Aletheia, yeah, it's the Greek word for truth. So so go check them out. Uh, say hi. Say say you heard about them on uh, Worship Ministry Catalyst, and you just want to come by and pat them on the back. There it is. Absolutely. So, hey, it's been great, and uh, you know, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks, Kevin. All right, Graham. You have a good one. You guys, too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. And uh, you can get in touch with us online, www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. You can send me an email to david at worshipministrycatalyst.com or... Kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And you can join our social network, worshipministrycatalyst.com. You should do the... Uh, say www again. That was the fastest www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. And also, we're working on a directory of worship leaders in America, Canada... I have UK listed on there, Australia, Sweet. and if, if your country or your your part of the country isn't listed, I have all the states listed, but maybe there's a more specific breakdown. What about you need. Nigeria, man? I don't have them on there. What about Zimbabwe? But if, but if that if you want us to put it on there, send me an email and I'll put it. I'll put your category in there. But hey, the idea is to to get as many worship leaders from around the world to to get uh, their info on here and then you can go and look for your specific section and then you can see a list of worship leaders that are in your area so we could go to southwest washington and find a list of worship leaders in southwest washington we know who to call who to who to connect with and support and stuff like that so so yeah there you go that's another episode in the can we'll talk to you again soon bye